All right, welcome back to the Diggy A2 podcast. This is episode nine. This is all about public enemy. And I got to say it one time, Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy, I'm ready to go. I'm decked out. I'm amped up, ready to go, man. Once again, thank you all for all your showing your love and support. Uh, Everything that we do was for the people, and we always have a lot of fun doing what we do, and that is talking about hip-hop in the 80s for season one and we are just about halfway through the season talking about all of the pioneers that started everything uh in regards to what we talk about in uh everything in the beginning of hip-hop the essence of hip-hop i got on two of my homeboys coming back again we got ajp dub we got frank k dog back again talking about for this episode so k dog has been a little bit brother how, how, how you been doing man we ain't seen you on the show in a while bro you been doing all right yeah. Hey, I'm trying to get back on the show. I'm trying to catch up with Boyd. You've been on like 11 I know, episodes. man. Boyd, Boyd got the record, man. Six, six, he got on six six times, man. So we got to boot him off a little bit, man. You know, so, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, this episode we're focusing on uh, Public Enemy Chuck D, uh, Terminator X, uh, SW1's Flavor Flav. You talk about it. They are influencing hip-hop. Uh, tremendously, and I want to talk about what they did in, in regards to the impact um, of what they're doing in hip-hop, and that's what we're going to focus on for this episode. So, uh, gentlemen, we're just going to jump right into it, man. I don't, I don't see any reason for us to cut the red tape or anything. I just want to just dive into it. So I'm going to pass the mic over to AJ P-Dub. Uh, let's talk about, AJ, the impact of Public Enemy in that era of hip-hop so they came out uh with bum rush to show which ironically when i was going back and listening to bum rush to show this week it kind of sounded like a, a kind of like a generic version of uh paul's boutique is what i what i the first thing i thought about on listening to that was like man this is like a watered down paul's boutique kind of it seems like they didn't know how to you know produce the album like you know because uh bc boys shout out the bc boys right go back and watch the tape on bc boys uh but they just took up so much of the sampling so much of the sound it's kind of like it was left over so but much the show didn't do too well and then they had it takes a nation of millions to hold us back which is a groundbreaking album so let's start with that oh. aj so uh what is their their impact in regards to uh the golden era of hip-hop okay i believe that Public Enemy's overall impact on hip-hop was that they were radical, revolutionary, and made songs that discuss issues affecting the black communities, government-driven, and major topics that affect the United States. That is their impact, and that's what they did. Both, you know, we're talking about the, eight, the albums in the 80s. We're talking about Yo Bum Rush the Show, and it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. So I'll start with, um, let me clear the air on something. Yeah. So I got two things. You're good. One is... I misquote on the Beastie Boys episode. I know I cleaned it up in the comments, but Public Enemy opened up for the Beastie Boys on the License to Ill Tour and not Run the MC. So I just oh, okay, that. gotcha. I misquote, Noted. you know. Noted. And from that concert, that's what really turned me like a, a fan of Public Enemy. I heard a couple songs, but when I seen them in concert, I was like, they are solid. And so one thing about Yo Bum Rush the Show, it came out, literally no airtime whatsoever. You didn't yep. hear it on radio stations, um, wasn't much of any videos of it or anything like that. I believe that album is legendary. And um, although they only showcase like maybe one or two songs that voice a message uh, directly, I'd say they wanted to make sure the music was heard. Um, the most impactful song on that album, I believe is My Uzi Ways a Ton. 
And I'm not sure if there's any um, interviews out there where if Chuck D was asked what that song means, but listening to the lyrics and reading the lyrics, I believe his Uzi was meaning his voice. Right. His voice weighs a ton. And from that day forward, when that, that album came out, that's exactly how he projected himself. You know, a strong voice um, and one needed to be heard. And that's what he did. Um, he is, I'll say this, Chuck D is the most powerful voice in hip hop. That's bold. That's a bold statement. Yeah, that, that's, that's a bold, a bold statement. statement. And I also have another bold statement, but I'll save it for later. All right, we're going to come back to it later. Pat, uh, Frank K. Dog, we're going to pass the mic to you, sir. We're talking about Public Enemy and their impact in the golden era of hip hop. So you mentioned this yourself when you were on a few weeks back, uh, talking about so much music coming out in 88, 89. So how did Public Enemy fit into that, that era as well? How did they find, create their own lane? Now, mind you, they weren't talking about some of the same things in their uh, you know, as a contemporaries in the same era, they were talking about something totally different. So how do they fit in, uh, in regards to the golden era? Hey, great opening, <clears throat> great opening question. So I went back real quick and I looked in, uh, the last three years of the eighties, 87, 88, 89. So 87, there were 34 hip hop albums released that year. 88, it jumped up to 66. Wow. Wow. And in 89, there was 85 hip hop albums released that year. Wow. So this is 87 on, it was catching steam. And, and I'm gonna piggyback on AJ, uh, when you talk about Chuck D's voice real quick, I do believe that as well. Like to, to me, um, Public Enemy was, they were like a run DMC, but with the, on that political, on the political view. Right. So when I say Chuck D's voice is so powerful, not, you know, wasn't as loud and boisterous as others, but like when he rapped, man, he rapped like he came with that anger that, um, you know, like all the things that were going on in the eighties, these black youth, uh, you know, living, you know, coming from long Island and stuff, they were going through stuff. And right. he said, look, I'm here, I'm going to empower our people. And, um, what, what, what is really, so, so what drew me to public enemy originally, um, when, when you talk about Yo Bum Rush the show, when you look at the album cover, right? They're in the basement, right? And they got yeah. one little light, real dim, and F Professor Griff's over there, and he's got his red beret on. Like, you know, they're getting ready to go to war, and, and Flavor Flav is like, he's got his hands, like, I don't know if he's reaching for the for the uh, album or whatever, but it's like, he's like blessing it, you know? And yeah. um, it's, I was like, wait, who are these guys? You know, so that 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 made me, you know, get, you know, about the tape and, um, but yeah, they're, they're all about, their, their whole thing is, um, you know, going against the politics. Yeah. Uh, questioning the media. E even back then, you know, they were like, wait a minute. You know, the media was doing some, some crazy stuff. And, uh, and these guys were even so bold. They even, they even had one of their songs. Um, Don't believe the hype. No, not, not that one. It's, um, when, when they went after the rap industry about people sampling and, in, in violations in the codes in the rap game. And I'm yeah. like, well, this is when they were first coming out. Yeah. So that, that, I was like, wow, these guys are like, you know, and just Chuck, Chuck D when he rapped, man, he just like, he did, he, he brought the anger. Um, you felt a sense of urgency when he spoke. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and, and you said it earlier, they like before public enemy uh, got on, there was no other group like that. 
And I, and I really don't think to this day there's been another group out there that have brought the same message. There have been bits and pieces like, you know, Ice Cube and America's, uh, America's Most Wanted album, right. you know, talking right. about poverty and the drugs. Um, but there's never been a group for, you know, 30, 40 years that have, like, well, yeah, even now that look, sound, act, send the same message that Public Enemy does. So. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with both of your points. So one of the accolades that I saw fascinating was Public Enemy is one of only seven hip-hop acts to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? So that goes to their body of work. And from a lot of the things that I was reading, uh, you know, throughout the, the, the days coming up to today's uh, taping was a lot of people consider their body of work, their collection of albums to be one of the best collection of albums in hip hop history, which is was their first three albums. You know, I mean, their uh, their catalog, in a sense, is one of the best top notch uh, because of the, I mean, they, they were like talking about social issues, uh, racial inequality, all the same things that we're going through right now in 2020, they were yeah. talking about in 1988. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy um, how they not only forecasted what was going to gonna what was going to happen for you know i'm not I'm not gonna say for the black man but for the person of color that is you know doesn't get the same opportunities as everyone else but they talked about this in 88 like you no know, who was talking about that in 88 in regards to hip-hop public enemy was and that's why i think they would fit in so well in today's structure of hip-hop because they were already talking about it right so i mean then to go to both of your points you know i'm gonna pass the mic back to aj in a second but uh you know with that voice chuck d his voice is so powerful man like he's he's definitely a guy that commands your attention you know and i don't i don't think he was the best in regards to a wordsmith but he grabs your attention he demands your attention when he when he's rhyming so i'm passing the mic back over to aj and aj if you could just elaborate a little bit more on like the presence of Ch Chuck D has a presence unlike any other MC that I've ever even heard of, you know, in the past. So like, how does that contrast with Chuck D's presence? You know, his rhyme skills, like I mentioned, I think there were better MCs that we've had in the eighties, but Chuck D was a presence. He wasn't, you know, he was, he was telling it like it is straight from the, you know, uh, straight from his point of view. And he was talking about topics that people were not ready to talk about um, in 1988. So how does that come about more, AJ? More in regards to his presence, not only what his uh, ability to articulate himself, which he's articulated himself very, very well, um, but also talk about in conjunction with the issues he was talking about. So I would point it out like this. You know, they came out as a group and not as individual. You know, they had Chuck D as, a, you know, the voice, you know, the Uzi. Um, right. Then you had Flavor Flav, who was a hype man, you know. There you go, Flavor Flav on the hype tip. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then you had the S1Ws on the back. And so they came with a certain strength in their message. They said, this yeah. is how we're doing it, you know. But he, he was the front runner of that group, had the voice. Uh, he had the strong voice, not the way, even though the way it sounded was strong, but the, the way he came across with his message, he didn't have to be, like you said, the, the best rhyme flow, but he made his lyrics work for each song. And then with Terminator X in there in the background, mixing it up and everything, there, every song on It Takes Nation of Millions to hold us back would just ring in your ear. You know, the lyrics, the the sound, just whatever. And 
that goes on to my next bold statement. Ha <laughs> ha. Ha, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Here it goes. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back is one of my top three albums Ooh. of all time. Ooh. So it stands next to License to Ill. I told you that was my number one. Okay. Nirvana, Nevermind. And it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Woo! That is how strong that album is. And that came out in 80, what, 89. And yeah. since then, that's always been on my, my top tier albums. And then it bounced around. But that is one of my top three of all genres. And that's why I wore the Nirvana shirt. Because Kurt Cobain actually said in the interview that it takes a nation of millions to hold us back is also one of his top 50 favorite albums. Woo, Frank! Yeah. I'm really gonna follow that up, man. Like that's he—he he, well, he, he dropped, he dropped the bomb on us, dog. Like I—I I don't know how to even come back from that. He said, "Take well, the millions is, is top three of all time across all genres." That's a pretty bold statement, dog. So, but I do remember you, Frank, mentioning that this was also in your top five, or I want to say it was in your top yeah. five albums as well, too. So you're in agreement, but in a different perspective. So let's, let's yeah, this yeah. Yeah, top for for me that this was top five um, of all time. Hip hop. I don't get yeah. into the Nirvana and stuff, but um, it it really was deep. And, and you think too, like when you talked about the the, the first album and the chaos. Yeah, it, it did. The the first album, like the way it was produced by the Bomb Squad, the chaos. Like, what's really going on? But when they got to that second album, though, you know, and they sped up the tempo. Yeah, everything. They brought in the horns. Man, it, like just all the crazy, you know, the uh, rebel without a pause. The whole, yeah. the whole song. He's got that little mosquito. I mean, yeah. it's just crazy. It just pulls you in. And I yeah. think of all hip hop albums out there, man. It's, it, I, I got a top top five. I have it four on my on my list. So, man, that's pretty powerful, you guys. Uh, I, yeah, and and of course, I grew up in grew up in a different era, so I am appreciative of hip hop. I wouldn't put it as rank it as so high, but um, just for me, you know, listen to it for throughout this week, man, there's some bangers on there, man. It's funky, it's political, um, and then you got Flavor Flav. So let's talk about Flavor Flav for a second, right? So we used to think that Flavor Flav was like the hype man, and, you know, he yeah. don't really know how to rhyme. But, AJ, I want to pass the mic to you on this one first. So how did Flavor Flav balance out Public Enemy? So let's talk about some very, very hard, hard-hitting topics. Then you got Flavor Flav, kind of like the guy that's like, lightening up the mood a little bit, you know what I mean? Having fun, dancing, you know what I mean? And But is do you think there's a hidden agenda on that? Is, is that just straight, is that s smart marketing or is it just, you know, some guy just having fun? Like And, and now, mind you, now, Flavor Flav is the originator of Public Enemy. So he founded Public Enemy and put the group together. So let's, let's start with that as a cornerstone first. But, you know, he kind of took a different path as opposed to, you know, you want to be, you know, uh, Having fun, hanging out in the background, you know what I mean, doing his thing, and then he let Chuck D do all the all the hard stuff. He's in the back being entertainment. So, is there a method to that madness, AJ? So, what is what's your take on that? I think it definitely is a method because the you like we talked about Chuck D's voice, how powerful it is, how it sounds, and everything. And then every now and then you get that flavor, flavor, whatever <laughs> lyric. He'd have a couple songs. Yeah, know, but he always had that, those little one, two punch shots and everything to bring, I guess, the normalcy of a crowd into it. You know, maybe the party crowd, because to get across 
uh, different genres, um, different populations and stuff like that. I think that was, maybe that was Flavor's job. Yeah. And, you know, to, to lighten it down a little bit, but also come with a, 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 like a powerful screech or something like that. And it worked for the group, you know, and I think that's what Flavor Flav's piece came, came into that. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, man, I'm passing the mic to you, Frank. Same question. Flavor Flav, Public Enemy. What what is what was his? He was the hype man, right? So Flavor Flav bought the like the the party to it, but they were talking about some very serious issues. Going back to it takes takes a million takes a nation of millions to hold us back. A five mic album from the source, by the way. I forgot to mention that. So uh, a classic album from the hip hop community. But I mean, I went back and it's some really, really funky, dope tracks on there, man. Like, and they're talking about some. Uh, one of my favorites, "Night of Living Bassheads." Or he talking about bass, bass. Like, it's it's dope, man. But then you got Flav in it. So go back and watch the video, you guys. So go back and watch the video. You see Flav in there acting the fool with the lady at the uh, what is it, Frank at the the newscaster, right? She, <laughs> yo, he's like bugging out on the newscaster thing, right? I'm like, yo, like, but he brought that, he brought that balance, right? So let's talk about that balance, Frank. Like, what is, what is, what did Flavor Flav bring to the group, man? So, yeah, so I look at you, Rob, as more of a Chuck D. You're all serious sometimes. He, like, growing up, I was a fool, man. So I love, man. Wait, I wait, hold that. on, hold on. Wait. Flavor Flav horn hat on now. Yeah. You want to retract that statement, brother? Oh, yeah. You know what time it is, baby. You know what time it is. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> but I, I used to, hey, when, when he came out with... Uh, <laughs> look, look, when he came out with straight up on the Colombo tip, I used to say that all the time. I didn't even know what he was talking about. But I was like, that's my boy. <laughs> but I think, yeah. So so I think he he, he did balance it well. When, when, you, when you're bringing those messages, and like I said, they were deep. And so I think Flavor was there to maybe maybe lighten everybody up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, 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 Hey, let, let, um, I, I think back in the, in that time they had, uh, uh, okay. We all know Sanford and son, right? Right. Right. And then there was another show, uh, all in the family with Archie Bunker, white dude. Yeah. Like these great racist, right? Some of the things they said on Sanford and son was like racist. And so, so those messages may have been not, not those messages, but those, the, the messages that are deep like that were being delivered by Chuck D and then here goes flavor on the side, just kind of maybe lighten, you know, maybe, maybe lighten it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, it would take some of that, some of that, uh, some of those feelings off and uh, yeah. And they did and it balanced out well. Cause then like I said, you had the S one W's in the back yeah. dancing and stuff. So I think all of them, yeah, all of, all of those three different entities together, man, just, just made the group, uh, you know, much more uh, acceptable to, you know, you know, all the people. Yeah. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest impact that I found from that album and PE as a whole is that they teach people something. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I appreciated the group. No question. And, and, for me getting the final word on this, I got on the black Panther shirt. I don't know if y'all can see this and I'm gonna boo the microphone. I got on King T'Challa here because my first exposure to the black, to me, Public Enemy was my version of the Black Panthers, right? Because they had the SW1s, they had Chuck D, and they were so much about uh, oppressing the power and, you know, uh, you know, all the things about the government, you know, trying to hold us down. And, and they were they were my version of the Black Panthers, like straight up. Like I, I didn't grow up in the Black Panther era, but if I could to 
you know, compare one entity that I was growing up and seen as an image, it was public enemy, right? So I'm paying homage to them with my Black Panther shirt on and I'm decked out because I want to pay homage to them. But also, you know, in today's time, especially with things that are going on today, you guys, their music translates into 2020 easily not not even missing a beat i would say almost especially when it comes to uh you know uh night of living bass heads from uh from that album from takes a nation of millions and hold us back so fans if you all are a hip-hop historian if you're a fan of hip-hop go back do due diligence go back and listen to that album front to back it's funky it's got a message it's good um but however having said all of that gentlemen we gotta wrap things up, man. All right. So I, I, I really do want to thank you both for spending time on a Sunday, hanging out with me and your boy for one more episode. I mean, this is crazy from where this idea started to where we we're nine episodes into the season, man. I'm so excited and so blessed to have my boys come on here with me, man. But we got to start closing out the show. I'm gonna pass the mic to Frank, aka K Dog, my boy. And uh, who are you shouting out this week, my boy? Nobody this week. Just me. Hey, look, feel like Tupac out there. It's been, listen, it's been me against the world, man. Look, these last couple of weeks, so I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna tell my wife, uh, 24 years, man. Like, she, man, we've been through it. So we, hey, hey, we, we, we don't know, we see eye to eye, but you know what? We, we're battling everybody, and uh, you know, trying to, trying to do right. Yeah. To take care of a lot of people. So hey, I ain't shouting out nobody this week. No shout outs. Hey, that's all right, man. Hey, that's that's all good, man. It's all good. It'd be like that. Hey, it'd be like that sometimes, right? Nobody gets no shine. That's how it is, right? That's how it is. AJ, and pass the mic to you, sir. Who are you shouting out for this week? Obviously, you for making this. Oh, happen, salute, you know? man. And salute you, this, dude. Keeping this going. Make me know? look bad. Thanks, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You missed the mark on that, right? Yeah, yeah, Francois. Well, I'll shout out to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, other than that, really, really nobody. Just, just we're talking about Public Enemy, and they actually have a new song out. Yep. Um, they do. They do. State of the Union, and it's it's it, it's a typical Public Enemy song, and it, it, it's a. I think I like it. You know, I like it. So, shout out to Public Enemy. Um, and, oh, real quick, Chuck D was actually on um, Mike D's Echo Chamber show, which is on Apple Music, uh, Beats One Radio. He was on there live today. I was listening to it uh, before we started uh, the recording. No doubt. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty dope. And, and real quick, that he was saying that Rick Rubin did not want to put um, Bring the Noise and Rebel Without a Pause on that album because they're already out as singles. And so Chuck D said a, a single will die on 12-inch vinyl but will live forever when it, when it gets on a cassette. Absolutely. So they wanted it to get on the cassette so it, it'll live forever. You know, meaning that it'll be on the actual album and so on and so forth and not just yeah. a single. Um, so yeah, that I just want to add that and that's it. No question. Bring the noise, dope ass track too, man, from Bum Rush's show. Yeah, dope ass track. But uh my shout outs are also short as well. Shout out to okay, so shout out to my sister in law uh jenny who is uh begging me to get a shout out on this show so i'm shouting out jenny i'm shouting out her husband curtis uh my nieces and nephews sophia or sophie uh jr and anna lee i love you both so i hope you see you guys soon in a couple of weeks when i make the trip down there to texas and uh show you guys some love and shout out to my family my army family again i cannot do this alone you guys i don't know how many youtubers out there 
saying they're doing this by themselves. That's BS because you need a team that supports you. And I support, uh, shout out to Frank, shout out to AJ, shout out to everybody that's around me, pushing me, pushing this platform forward. But I want to appreciate you guys uh, one more time. I had so much fun doing this, man. And it's just fun just have bugging out with you guys, man. Listening to you before we tape and having a good time and things like that, man. But we got to wrap things up, man. Next week is going to be me and my brother doing a showcase for Houdini. Get your notes ready for that, you guys. And uh, we'll see you all again, man. I right? Shout out to you guys. Shout out to hip hop. All right, 100. We'll see you guys soon.